Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. For more information about us, visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. Amen. Anybody excited about hearing, hearing a little bit about the Word of God and just kind of getting some of that in you and letting it change you and letting it rock you and letting it clean you and letting it purify you? Amen. All right. You guys know I like to start off with a quote. This quote, my quote this week, comes from the ink of a marker written on the side of a building in the middle of a block. It's a graffiti quote. So the quote is anonymous. I don't know who wrote it. It's from the street. And I'm going to ask them to put it up on the screen. As they do that, I want you to hear what the quote says. It says, I am not emotionless. I'm scared. I'm confused. I'm weirded out. I'm vacant. I feel disconnected and judged. That's not it. It's, it's in the slides there. That's still not it. There it is. I am not emotionless, I'm scared, I'm confused, I'm weirded out, I feel vacant, disconnected, and judged. You know what's really interesting about this quote? It was written on the wall of the new building that we're moving into. And for me, it was a sign. Y'all that know me know I'm crazy like that. I think that God spares no expense to get messages to me. And, 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 to, and, and I believe that God speaks to us. And I believe God uses every resource available to him, which is everything. And so I believe he can speak to me in a bird singing. He can speak to me in, 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 a, in the formation of a cloud, in the shape of the sun, in the heat, in, the, in, the, in a tree, in a flower, in graffiti that somebody would write on a building that I'm working on building. And so, see, I had a, what was going on, it was earlier this week, and I had a camera with me. And I was so excited because there was, there was a, an entire construction crew in our new building. And they were building, and they were putting up, and they were framing, and putting up sheetrock. And, and I just, every time I turned around, there was another wall that was up. And every time I turned around, there was another, another frame and another piece of sheetrock. And I was excited, and I'm taking pictures like crazy. The camera wasn't quick enough for me. I'm taking pictures and pictures, and I'm getting so kind of, you know, excited because I'm seeing, you know, the place being cleaned out and, and I'm seeing how, how plans are being built. And, and I started to see the vision becoming reality. And, and I don't know if I've ever physically seen it before like that in my life. You know, we've, we hear people talking about this is the vision and, and the vision is this, but I'm actually it's, it's, it's overwhelming for me because I'm actually, I've actually now, in, in the life of us here, 
been able to say, this is the vision and this is what it's going to look like. But then really quickly, like a week or two after, I'm actually seeing it. And so I'm, I'm watching people with the plans that I drew, with the plans that we discussed and worked out and arranged. And, and I'm watching these workers who don't know me walking around with my vision in their hands building up walls and putting things together. And I was like, I'm just overwhelmed at, at, at what's going on. And I remember crying out to God kind of inside because I didn't want everybody to see me like a crazy man. I said, God, why are these men building something that you and I dreamed up? Why are these men building this stuff? Who am I? Who are we that they're building what we drew? And I just felt the authority of God. Saying, what you draw up, what we dream up, I'll have men build. You, do you understand the authority in that? I mean, the perfect illustration this morning, everything is possible and, and, and everything that happened here is kind of what's, it's, it's, it was an illustration of the entire message. So I'll try to condense it for you. Two hours instead of, you know, an hour and a half. But, um... So I was overwhelmed by this vision that was being built and, and, and I was so excited. And then I noticed the writing on the wall as I was standing outside and there's plenty of graffiti on the outside. So it wasn't like that's the only thing that was on the wall. But this thing kind of just stood out. And so I just, man, let me snap a picture. It wasn't a revelation yet. It was just a, gee, that's peculiar moment that I had. And I said, let me just take a picture of it. And I stored it in the camera. Then later on that week, I had a dream, and, then, and then, then I heard a song on the radio, and it all came together. Isn't that awesome when God speaks to you and puts all these puzzle pieces? And, and you know when you have a big puzzle? Have you ever tried to do a puzzle without the puzzle top? It, it's crazy, right? I mean, you know, for us, if I do like a 16-piece puzzle, then maybe be, you, know, you could do it without the top. But don't try a 1,000-piece puzzle without the top. That's just foolishness, right? Because you need to know what something's going to look like. But, oh, come on. That's good. All right, anyway, that's extra. So I was overwhelmed, and then this kind of thing all came together to form the message. And so I want you to understand, when God, what God shares with me, what's revelation for me, as your pastor, is revelation for you. And so whatever God shares with me, whatever God gives me revelation, I want to come with revelation. I don't want to ever come to you with my foolish stories and then call it truth. I want to come to you with God's fresh revelation. Because I believe that's what God put me here to do. Not to just tell you the stories of my life, make you laugh a little and, and let you leave. God put me here to give revelation. Amen? And then share some experiences because my experiences are kind of all I have to talk about. So, the truth in this message and in this move is simply this. God showed me in a dream and through the graffiti the reason that we're moving, the reason that he's blessing, the reason that he's providing, the reason that, that he's covering us, the reason that he's given us so much favor, the reason that, that we can draw something and men build it at no cost. You understand, it'd be different if I paid all these guys to do that. But no, that was all part of the deal. When I signed on, the guy said, I'll do that for you. You, you understand? I tell my pastor friends, and they go, that's not fair. They say, that's not fair. 
I paid a team of electricians and a team of carpenters and a team of lighting guys and a team of sheetrock guys. And I, I was paying them thousands and thousands. I said, I don't know. And not that I'm better than him, and not that, but, but it's just, it, you know it's a God thing when you take on something that's too big for you to do in the natural, and then you just sing, all things are possible. And you just say, God, I believe it. And so you draw it as expensive as it can be with the finest materials. And you say, God, I believe it. And then God will bring people to do it. Amen. 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 <clears throat> so he told me that, you know, to, to, to dream visions and have men build them. And so what God was telling me and what I want to tell you today is that it is not about the building. And God, God doesn't want me or us to ever be thinking that it is. Listen, too many ministries have been sideswiped and shipwrecked because of good things, of big buildings of new things, and, and all pursuing good things. See, God, it's so easy for us to focus on a new place and to focus on new ideas and new visions. But while all of those things are great and godly, they can easily take our eyes and focus off of God. How many know you can pursue godly things and in that pursuit become less and less godly? Right? We've seen it in too many ministries, and, and that's been breaking my heart lately, and I've been talking to past. I meet with pastors to hold myself accountable, and we talk about things, and we wrestle with things, and, and one of the biggest fears in this group of pastors that we meet with is that we would end up the way from, from everything that we've seen. You know, and we're all at different stages. Our churches are three years old, five years old, seven years old, I think is the oldest one. So we're all relatively new, and new, new church plants. But our biggest fear is that we would get sideswiped someplace and end up so far off and be a ministry like, like, that we like we look at and say, man, that's, that's not God. Yeah, that building is beautiful. Yeah, there's great resources. Yes, you, but there's no God. Amen? So what's the point of having a huge, beautiful place if there's nothing for you to feed on in it? Right? It's like, it's like taking all of your money and life savings and buying the best refrigerator and stove for your kitchen. But now you have no money to put food in it. And so you can sit and stare at it and you can bring people over to the house and say, look, stainless steel. Look at that. Oh, look at the burners. 15,000 BTUs. That'll boil water in three minutes. Look, look, look. But, but, but you don't have a pot to cook in. Amen? So God just wants us to, to really be focused. It can never be about the building. And so I was taking all these pictures to show you and to show my friends. And, and even before I got the keys, God has given me a big footprint and stepping on me and saying, stop. It's not about the building. It is and it must always be about my people. See, and, and I really feel, and this is a prophetic word that, that God dropped on me. He said, I have already had buildings. And he brought me to Solomon's temple. And, and if you read in, in the word about how all the materials that went into Solomon's temple, you're talking about walls that were covered in gold. 
walls that, that they hammered out brass and gold and wrapped columns in gold. You're talking about walls that had jewels and, and fine. You're talking about the finest carpenters and artisans and craftsmen were hired because money was not an object for Solomon when they were building that temple. Whatever he asked for, he had and the best of, the best lumber, the best quality, everything. So God says, I've already had fancy buildings. Your buildings will, there's no way that your building will impress me. And I believe it's a word to the body of Christ everywhere today. Your buildings don't impress me. There's a word in Haggai, a prophetic word in the book of Haggai. Solomon's temple had been destroyed and they were trying to rebuild it. And they were concerned like we'll never get it as beautiful as this. And, and the word of the Lord came to Haggai and he said, The glory of the latter house will be greater than the first Amen? The glory of the latter house will be greater. And, and you know what? If you, if you look at that symbolically, it was talking about the temple, right? But New Testament, who's the temple? We're the temple. I still believe the glory of the latter house will be greater than the first. And the, that glory is in us. It's not in a building it's not in fancy and, and it's in us. The glory will be greater in us. It's about his people. And so I just have to say that we're not to be proud or impressed for the building plan coming together. We have to have our hearts broken for the people in that community. For the young person that stood there in the middle of the street with no one around him to stop him or to help him or to listen to him. And he cried out the way that he only knew how to. He took a marker and he scribbled on a wall. I am not emotionless. I'm scared. I'm confused. I'm weirded out. I'm vacant. I'm disconnected and I'm judged. It's a cry, church. It's a desperate attempt to be heard, to be listened to, to be validated. We've all been there at one point or another, haven't we? Ever? You ever cried out? You ever, you ever cried out inside and said, you can't treat me like that. I'm not emotionless. I feel empty. I feel vacant. I, I know we've all been there. I know because I have. But see, little does he or she know that even as, listen, this is good. Little does he or she know that God hears every cry. And, and even, as, even as he was writing on the wall, God was already answering this, this prayer. Even as he, was, as he was writing this on this building, God had already answered and already put workers and vision and pastors and leaders and servants and lovers in the building God was already answering the cry of that young person. He didn't even know it. She didn't even know it. God is already building a house that will soon have his doors open so that he doesn't have to feel vacant anymore. Amen? Somebody needs to hear today, God has already heard your cry. And he's already working it out. Come on. Come on, give God some glory. He's already heard it. 
And you see, it all comes back to our willingness to worship, to listen, to hear, to step out when God says to. Listen, obedience is worship. Let that sink in for our teenagers, for our young people, for our husbands, for our wives. Obedience is worship. Doing what you know is right is worship. Not doing that is then what? It's not worship. It's, it's anti-worship. If, if that's even a word. See, we've been doing this word study on worship through the whole word of God. And we've been talking a lot about what worship is and what worship isn't. And I found another thing that worship is. Your worship is an answer to someone else's prayers. I mean, can you, can you almost see the person with his head low, ragged out, just scribbling on the wall? For some reason I saw him left-handed, I don't know why. Just scribbling on a wall, looking around. Tons of people in the community, because I've stood in the community and there's people, people everywhere, people everywhere. And nobody even stopping them. Nobody even reaching out to them. Nobody, if, if anything, somebody saying, hey, you delinquent hooligan, stop running on a wall and chase them away. You're good for nothing, delinquent. Which is why he feels so judged. Probably because of the way he looks, or she looks. But see, uh, we've, been, we've been talking about redirecting our worship, right? And I've heard from so many of you that you've been doing a lot of redirecting lately, right? And I know that a lot of people have been saved from beatdowns, right, Grandma? And a lot of people have been saved from harsh words or from, or from rough because, because you've learned to redirect your worship. You've learned that when things get riled up and you start heading the wrong way, you've learned to focus and redirect your worship. And so I've been hearing a lot about, about that lately. But when you redirect your worship, understand it not only helps you, it not only focuses you, but it helps those around you. Right? See, in 1 Samuel, check this out. In 1 Samuel, it tells us that Saul, King Saul, was tormented by an evil spirit sent from God. And in the Message Bible, it calls it a black mood. It says Saul was tormented by a black mood. Anybody could identify with a black mood? Anybody ever had a black mood come over them? Saul was tormented by a black mood. And so you read in chapter 16, verse 14, it, this is why. It says, the Spirit of God left Saul, and in its place a black mood was sent by God. And it settled on him. He was terrified. And Saul's advisor said, this awful, tormenting depression from God is making your life miserable. Oh, Master, let us help. Let us look for someone who can play the harp. And when the black mood from God moves in, he'll play his music and you'll feel better. See, the moment the Spirit of God left Saul, it rested on David and anointed and appointed him even at an early age to be king. In 1 Samuel 16, it says, 23, it says, After that, whenever the bad depression from God tormented Saul, whenever the black mood came on Saul, David got out his lyre. A lyre was a small guitar. 
So David was like a little Jason. And, and, and David got out his, his guitar and he played. And that would calm Saul down. And he would feel better as the moodiness lifted. Those of you living with moody people, how many of you want to pick up a guitar? That's all you needed. How'd you know? That's all you needed was a guitar. You just needed to play and the moodiness would lift. Wouldn't that be awesome? Try it. See, worship lifts the black mood. Amen? Listen to me. You may not always be able to alleviate the problem, but you can alleviate the suffering. Isn't that good? There's some problems that we just got to go through. Right? And there's some things that, that are hard things that we don't understand. And we could fight God. Say, God, I don't know why you're making this happen. But there's some problems that we have to go through. And sometimes worship won't alleviate the problem, but worship can alleviate the suffering. That's good. If you just took that today, you, 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 you got what you paid for. Amen? See, because God says, I inhabit the praises of my people. So worship can change an atmosphere. Let me tell you a little story that I've never, ever shared. One day, it was about, it's over 10 years, 15 years ago, probably, my wife and I were just saved. <clears throat> we had just gotten saved recently. We just started going to church, just started to, you know, worship a little bit. And we used to take the train real late, and my wife always wanted to be in Manhattan, so we would be in Times Square hanging out, buying stuff, and come home really late all the way up here to the Bronx, to Noble Avenue, where, where we lived here for a while. And so this one time, it was really late at night, and we're on the sixth train heading up. The train is empty, and then a bunch of thugs come into the train. And so me and my wife are sitting in the corner. You remember? You don't? You remember in a minute. <laughs> we were sitting in the corner, you know, because we're lovebirds and, you know, we're sitting with our legs open crossed and our arms crossed and we're sitting there. Train is empty, you know. Bunch of thugs come in. Everybody come in all rowdy, all crazy in the car. And, and so, of course, the first thing in me, my defense gets up and I'm like, oh, okay, somebody gonna step up and catch a beat down. Come on. Oh, boy. But there was a lot of them, right? And they're going all around the car and I'm like, oh, man. Oh, man. And so um, I'm sweating. You know, I'm still, I was still dealing with fear back then. And, and I started I start getting a little fearful because there's a lot of guys. And I said, man, if they do something stupid, what if they take me out of my wife? You know, I don't know if you we were probably my girlfriend at the time. But, but, so I started getting all riled up and riled up, but you're sitting down, still not moving, but inside, riled up, riled up, sweating inside, because I didn't want it to show, you know, but inside I was pacing back and forth, going crazy, but really I was just sitting real still, you know, praying that they wouldn't even see us, but we were the only people in the car, it's late at night, these guys are rowdy, they're doing stupid things, you know, kind of jumping and kicking things, and I'm like, oh man. My wife starts singing. You remember now? No? She starts singing. Really low at first. And this will date us. All you Christians that have been Christians for a long time, you'll know this song. It had just come out. Every worship team was doing it. You came from heaven to earth 
to show the way. Come on. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Well, that's cool here in church. But, but she starts singing that in the car, in the train, with all the thugs. And so she started real low at first. You remember now? You're kidding me. You know what's funny? We never spoke about this again after that. And I've never told this story. So she starts singing that. And, and inside, I'm getting embarrassed. You know, I'm like, oh, um, okay, honey, this is a real poor choice to start drawing attention to us. You know, bad, that's like really not using wisdom. I'm hoping we disappear and you're singing. And, and she starts singing louder. And it's getting, you came from heaven to earth. And inside, I, I really honestly wanted us to shut up. Shut up. I'm trying to think how I'm going to get out of this. I'm trying to think how we're going to survive. And you're, you're singing. That's foolishness. I was so mad inside. I don't know who I was madder at. And she keeps on singing. So now the guys catch on, obviously, because it's loud. And, and so I start hearing comments. And before I know it, it was like, yo, I know some gospel stuff. And then she's singing some church stuff. You know, some church stuff. And they're, they're cursing and talking about her and what she's singing. And that's some gospel stuff. That's some church stuff. And, and in the middle, I'm like, I'm waiting to see who's going to hit me first. And, 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 and you know, how I'm going to survive this. And she's still singing. And I want to hit her. I'm going to tell her to stop. Stop singing. Stop. Let's just leave quick. And, and, and before I know it, they got off the train. And peace came. And I, and I believe, although I've never, honey, thank you for that day. I never, I, we never discussed it again because I was so mad at her. But the reality is, she probably saved my life that day. There were a lot of guys, and I, you just, you know, you, you just feel that they're up to no good. And you, you just feel something really bad is going to happen. But I have to tell you, worship changed the atmosphere. Music is that powerful. So thank you, honey, for saving my rear end that day. And I'm sorry for being mad at you. <laughs> See, King Saul's advisors were so wise in saying that when he plays music, you'll feel better. Music is that powerful. Amen? Amen. Side note. I can't help but talk about music here for a second as a side note because you see the music that we listen to today has that same power hello what scares me today is that the spirit of this age has so invaded our mindset and our culture that we don't go to the music to lift our black mood it it almost feels like we go to the music to invite the black mood how many of you listen to songs and get angry how many of you listen to, to, you know what kind of music to listen to, to just pump you up 
and get you. Well, listen, I've had so many people come to me with issues and problems and, and easily I can sit back and identify, well, that's a black mood. And I probably know how you let that in. And it's probably on your iPod. It's almost as if, as if our culture invites the black mood because we like the black mood. Because in the black mood, we don't care about anything. We don't care about anyone. And it's easier to, to cover up our hurts and our fears. And I just want to shout out to people, redirect your worship. Worship can change the atmosphere. Worship can alleviate the suffering. Worship can change it, can lift the black mood. Say amen, somebody. If all you listen to is sexually charged and loaded with booty dropping and booty slapping and booty backing, it seems we're really obsessed with booty, right? Today? Anyway. And... If every song on the top 10 is labeling you and addressing you as a whore and a bee and somebody else's possession or somebody else's toy, and if every other song is getting you to question your sexual identity, and now more and more, every other song is talking about how they know what Jesus wants them to do, but they're not ready to do it. More and more, more and more music is talking about Jesus. And it's talking about, I know Jesus wants this, and I know Jesus wants me to live this way, but I ain't ready yet. And, and, and we make that a number one album. Come on. We're not lifting the black cloud, we're inviting it in. Music is that powerful. You can let the gospel of Christ come through it and bless you, or you can let the gospel of Kanye, I mean compromise, come, come in you and, and keep you in that black mood. But I ain't talking about nobody. See, so the message that God has given me and emphasizing here is that he's just not about buildings. He's not about titles. He's not about big ministries. He's not about personalities. God is about the temple. And that means God is about you and you and you and me. Amen. Say flip the page. I am not emotionless. I'm scared. I'm confused. Stop judging me because of how I look or because of the mistakes that I've made. I feel disconnected. I feel vacant. Do something. What he's really or she is really saying is I want to be accepted. I want to be respected. I want some answers. I want to be heard. I want to be listened to. I want to be loved. I want to know what love is. That was your cue, worship team. I want to know what love is. And so you see, this past weekend, I was driving to an early, early morning meeting. And we had the radio on in the car. And a song comes on. And this song kind of just sums up this entire message. And it's so part of this message. It's vital to what God was, was sharing with me. And I just felt the same cry from the person who wrote this on the wall. And now, understand, I don't know this man's heart, the artist. I don't know who he was singing to. I don't know if he was directing it to, to a woman or directing it to a, a man for that matter or addressing God. But it's a perfect example of taking something and redirecting your worship. You're going to hear and you're going to be able to read the words on the screen in a minute. And the name of the song is an oldie. It's called, I Want to Know What Love Is. 
Not yet. But you can, you can start jamming with it a little bit. You're going to hear and be able to see the words, and, and, and a lot of you know the song already. You're going to be able to sing it, but understand this. If you sang these words to a man or to a woman, to your wife, to your husband, to your friend, you would be setting yourself up to fail. But if you redirected the words of this song to God, it would probably be one of the most powerful prayers you've ever prayed. And I mean that. If you took the words of this song and direct them to God, it would probably be one of the most powerful prayers that you've ever prayed. You've probably heard this song again and again in a car, in a store, and probably every soft rock station or easy listening station. I was at a wedding last night. Listen, I was at a wedding last night. And as we were getting ready to leave, the last song that played was this. You want to talk about God putting a period at the end of a sentence? He said, don't doubt what I tell you, just do it. Period. <laughs> so I'm going to invite you today to make it a worship song. To Maybe even more than that. I want you to listen to this song, which our worship team is so gifted and so awesome. And I'm so blessed to have you guys that I could just tell them something and they'll do it. It would have been so much easier for them to just play the CD and we could all sit here like. But no, they chose to take it on and do it. And I think they practiced one time this morning and they got it. And Sal even sounds like the guy. It's incredible. So I want you to hear this song and I want you to really listen to the cry of a community, the cry of a young person, of an older person, of a hurting person. And keep that picture in, the mind, in your mind as we make this move, as we build this new sanctuary, as we're working and cleaning, and even as we welcome and meet and invite and reach out to our hurting people who are crying out in so many ways in that community. See, people just have a deep-rooted desire to know what love is. And so we're going to play the song. And as you recognize that cry, I want you to stand. I want you to come up to the front. As soon as you can identify one person in your life who's at that point, I want you to stand for them. And I want you to worship for them. I want you to, even standing here, even if they're not here, I want you to lift that black mood yeah. off of them today with your worship even if it's just for a little while. And if this is you today, I want you to stand up and ask God, who is love, to show you what love really is. Come respond, and we'll be happy to pray with you. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.